Today I had Olympian and Canadian and Edmontonian Neville Wright on the Lifestyle Chase and I'm going to give you some backstory as to why I chose him. Why Neville? And so I came across his profile. We have a bunch of mutual people that we follow and I think it was at a time when he was doing some public speaking for kids and I was thinking to myself I was like you know like there there's so much need for for mentorship for for anybody I think mentors make such a huge difference and especially when it's like those meaningful connections when you're getting to know somebody and you're seeing the commonalities and you're seeing how you can overcome things in life and he is definitely someone like that for people he speaks to audiences um his whole career story is using his struggles as as his strengths in some way shape or form and we dive into that in the episode and then what really sealed the deal for me honestly was watching his posts and i saw this uh one of his posts was he was helping his daughter along a log and we talked about this in the episode but he was giving her the confidence in herself that she could get through this obstacle of like a teetery kind of log where you don't know what's going to happen it's kind of high up and you're just little but he showed her that she had potential and i think that makes a great guest so i hope that you enjoy this one and thank you for listening welcome to the lifestyle chase season two this podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. I'm your host, Chris Little. Let's get started. The Lifestyle Chase is brought to you by Yeg Fitness. Yeg Fitness is Edmonton, Alberta, Canada's healthy lifestyle community, creating and supporting active living for all. Check them out online at yegfitness.ca and on social media at Yeg Fitness. So welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This is episode 131, and I am joined by the one and only Neville Wright. How are you doing today? All right, how are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Well, you're welcome. I I got to go to the gym for the first time in months. Like, uh, what's what's this whole COVID-19 been like for you? How has it impacted your life? Um, tell you the truth, like, um, I've always been one that tries to see the positive in most things, and while, like, I mean, it did affect a lot of um, areas that I work in, such as, like, speaking, therapy, coaching, things like that. But um, in regards to fitness, um, it, I, I, I always uh, always believe in being uh, extra prepared. So in my, I have actually a, a little gym that I've set up, like a squat rack, bench, trap bar, um, a bike, things like that. So um, fitness-wise, it didn't really affect me too much. Well, that that's a good attitude to have just in general, because like, um, when I think about it, we're going to have things like this happen throughout our life, like whether it be a pandemic, whether it be health, financial, all these things. So yeah, that attitude is helpful. Um, what, what kind of first inspired you to have that attitude? Was it the way someone was a role model for you or was it something that's happened to you along the way? Like what first inspired that? Um, well, competing as an, as an athlete, um, so you know, I was very disciplined and I, I never wanted any types of obstacles, even though you do get up to the challenges to prevent me from continuing to training to, to achieve my goals. 
And um, I had too many uh, moments where, where, um, where like I, I couldn't get into gyms, access to gyms, and um, so I was like, you know, this is never going to happen to me again. So I made sure I, I prepared for that, and um, you know, kind of got equipment from earlier. And then in regards to like the my the mindset, having positive outlook, I, I realized that um, that. To focus on things that you can't change or control, it's, it's a waste of energy to, to, to get into that. So, you know, um, uh, the, the biggest thing that you can't control is yourself um, and how you respond to certain situations. So, you know, usually when you do folks try and focus on the positive, um, it helps you uh, keep moving forward. For sure. Um, so for our audience that might not be familiar with you, there's going to be a lot of the audience that is. But let's say someone's meeting you for the first time. How are you going to introduce yourself to them? It's very true. Usually, um, I'll just say, you know, I'm level right. Um, you know, if they ask questions, you know, born and raised in London, Alberta. Um, if they want to know details, kind of like, um, or they know my background, or, you know, usually we see like a, a pretty big dude. So like, you know, I always get, you know, are you a football player? And I always say, oh, no, no. Um, I, I played some football, but, um, no, I wasn't a football player. And I was like, I, I played sports and then, um, I don't try to be extra, like, I guess I, you could almost say like, um, I try to be, I don't know if you'd call, call it more modest just because I never want to come off as a narcissist or, you know, fool myself like, oh yeah, you know, I'm an Olympian and this and that. But, um, if, if people ask, like you, I, I usually tell them, you know, like, three time Olympians for the bobsleigh former sprinter for Canada and currently uh, function as a performance therapist, coach, and uh, speaker. I love it. And I mean, like, that makes sense. I think when we stay close to our roots or remember where we came from, it kind of helps us to get to that next level. But now that you've shared with the audience about your Olympic experience, I want you to share with me, what was it like to be there? Like it, I can only imagine the amount of work that it took to get there. But what was it like in that moment to be there? Um, to be at the Olympics, I mean, you know, because there's a lot of things that you're going through between media and you know getting prepared to get there and, and you know uh, setting things up, meetings and. But uh, when you get there, it's sort of they were just kind of like, man, wow, like this is this is crazy. Like I'm, like I'm here, but for me, I actually. For my first Olympics, I didn't really embrace it or really thought as an Olympian until I went on the track for the first time. So I was there, you know, um, went to the opening ceremonies, which was crazy too, you know, you're like, they tell you, you know, you know, just take it in, you know, uh, savor the moment. And all of a sudden they, they announced Canada and as it, before you were walking out and you hear Canada, I mean, it's just a rumble throughout the stand. And then you get out there and, People are going crazy. You're seeing cameras flashing. You see media, and and then all of a sudden, it's just kind of like, wow, this is like, it's hard to sometimes, I guess, describe the feeling in words. It, it's just, I just took that time to kind of like, you know, embrace it. But then all of a sudden, I switch. I put my hand, my my phone, and I'm clicking videos and pictures. And I'm waiting for the camera and yelling out the family and stuff. So like, it was almost like I uh, became a little kid again. Yeah. And then, um, but yeah, it wasn't until though, like, when I finally went down the first run down the, the Bobsleigh track, then I was like, 
all right, like it's official. Like no one can take this from me. I'm officially ready. I love that. Um, have you had to reflect on that moment? Like you probably can still remember it pretty clearly. Um, has there been a moment when you had to think, oh, life is shit. And then you thought back to that Olympic moment and suddenly things got a little bit brighter. Um, I wouldn't even say I, I would reflect back to the Olympic moment. I would reflect more back on to like, you know, when things are, are going wrong or just, you know, I'd more reflect back to just life in general, like, you know, the things that I've overcome, um, like, you know, because like I said, there's, even though there, there could be a lot of negative, there, there has to be some positive, you know what I mean? Um, the fact that I'm, I'm able to get up on my own and I'm living and breathing, you know, um, I can connect with others, um, family, friends, uh, you know, um, I can support myself, I can, I can work and, 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 and pursue my passion. So I think, um, when I, when those moments, when those hard moments happen, I, I just kind of reflect back on, on those things and just my reflection is, you know, showing, being grateful and showing gratitude for, for, all the things I had and the things I'm able to do. Well, that that's important. I mean, just yesterday I was thinking to myself about like, you know, like I've been waiting forever for the gym to open, but like this whole time there's been things that I have that I've forgotten that I have. Um, if I was to ask what are five things that you're grateful for, can you think of five things? Um, one, I'd say life, you know, like being able to, to be a functioning, uh, moving, thinking uh, individual, uh, family, um, being able to pursue my passion, uh, being able to give back and help others. And the fifth one I'm say grateful for is, um, yeah, I already said help. Um, I don't know what it takes Hopefully I'm not missing something. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I think I would just go back to just, like, you know, having my health. Oh, yeah. No, and it's like, there, there's no rule that it's like, you must have five things. You can totally have yeah, four yeah. things and call it a day. Um, so when we reflect on, on things like that, what, what first got you into your, your pursuit of, of athletics? Like, what was the thought in your mind that you're like, I want to do, I want to do sports. I want to be fast. I want to go on a bobsleigh, all those things. Well, um, as a kid, um, I always loved physical activity, sports. Like, I mean, as long as I was able to engage in it, I would try. I mean, like hockey, football, soccer, basketball, you name it. Whatever it was, I just enjoyed doing sports. And um, I found that, you know, I, I, I would do a lot and really well. Like, you know, um, anything that involves running, jumping, um, throwing, agility, things like that. Like, I just, I did really well in it. And... And, um, you know, I, I, as a, as a kid, you know, I, I went to, you know, challenges as a kid, like the different things I had to overcome, you know, and, um, I found that there was a period where I had a period in my life where I was just really frustrated, angry, you know, just had a lot of, uh, pain. And, and when I started to engage into sport, it became a, an avenue, like for, like an outlet to all that stuff that I had going on. I was able to, you know, ball that up. And, and project it into something positive, um, for myself. 
I like that. Um, did you find that there were people in your life that made it easier to get more involved in the sport, influential coaches, teammates that made a difference? Mm, growing up, I didn't really have anybody, like, in regards to mentorship or, or coaching. It wasn't until I actually got into university when I met my first coach, like my, um, like my actual uh, coach, uh, where, you know, um, he was very, you know, he, I guess he was, a, he was a bit of a different coach where, like, you know, he was very knowledgeable. I liked his coaching style, although sometimes he can irritate me as well, too, which most athletes probably feel with their coaches. But, um, um, he kind of, like, really helped, uh, tap into my, to my potential, uh, potential that he saw and, 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 and kind of, like, realized that, like, listen, like, you have tons of potential and, and, um, yeah, he really worked with me and, I said, and I remember, um, because, um, after my first year of university, I had to go to myself on a scholarship for track. And, um, he was like, you know, Neville, I'm not going to stop you from going, but I promise you, if you stick it out with me, um, I will get you fast. And I mean, he didn't try to like, you know, pitch anything to keep me. He was like, pretty much, I want the best for you. So I stuck it out and lo and behold, like, um, that next year, um, I had won um, a double gold at national championship in the track and field for um, university, and then gone on to Canada that 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 year, and then kind of continued since. And I stuck with them um, all that time there until the ending of my uh, sporting career. That's incredible. I mean, like when you reflect on him, like what was it that really like made him stand out to you? Was there like defining characteristics? Was there specific things that he helped you see in yourself like did you see qualities in yourself that you didn't see before um it was just his approach because like i said i didn't know anything i don't know anything really about like you know, training or, or um you know like um especially training for for like for example try to feel i was just a guy i just ran out there and sprint and run as fast as i can hope i win and um the way he came across, like, um, he didn't, he really, like I said, he, he was really patient because, like, for example, learning drills. I didn't know how to do a lot of these drills and patient. And the way he just explained himself and the way how he did feedback. And I'm like, and then I think as soon as, um, that second year when he's like, you know, I promise I'll get you fast and, and I got really fast and did really well. It was kind of like right there, kind of solidified, um, that trust and bond and, and and also too like he helped me quite a bit like during my sporting career because like i mean i was a full-time student um still trying to work like you know 15 plus hours a, a week to support myself and put myself through school and there's a lot of things that i couldn't afford like um going to certain meets and and things like that and even to pay for uh, for coaching and he actually you know kind of just raised that or helped me uh he's actually him and another um one of my uh, a therapists, a physiotherapist that I would see, that they're the ones um, that helped me actually make it on my first um, national team. Um, it was a self-funded team, and uh, I couldn't, and my school wasn't paying for it. And um, and I was like, well, I can't go because I can't afford this. And they're both like, there's no chance they're not going to do this. Like, this can open so many doors for you. And they helped. Um, they helped me uh, generate the funds to to get to go there, and then. It was just, yeah, we just kind of developed a bond. And then 
he became not only like a coach, but also like a mentor where I learned a lot from him and I took the opportunity to every interaction I had with him. Like, for example, I would do a sprint, he'd give me feedback and I would stand beside him and watch the other athletes and, and learn from him. That's cool. I mean, if you had the chance to go back to like your junior, senior high experience and be the coach that didn't appear until later in your life, if you could like be the coach that the younger version of you needed, would you do that? Or would you just let life take its course and wait? I, I would let life take its course. Like, um, to go, I know, like, you know, uh, we always talk about if we can go back in time, but I feel like everything happens, how it happens, when it happens for, for its own purpose. Like, I, I feel like had I, maybe had I come earlier into the sport, cause I started a little bit uh, later in my, my sporting career started a little bit later, but had I come earlier, maybe I may have taken things for granted or maybe I wasn't physically and mentally prepared for it. So, um, um, there's a, there's a thing how nothing happens before it's time. So I would, I would go through the same, I think I would go through the same, um, pathway. I like that. Cause like, I mean, if we can just own how our life has been and then it's like what you reflected on before with uh, control, what you can control and yeah. make the most, most of it and, and look at things positively, like then we're more positioned for, for our leaps going forward. So I'm going to ask you a tricky question because it might make you think a bit. In the last yeah. week or so, what's the thing that's made you the happiest, the thing that's just brought you the most joy? I mean, this is easy. Uh, but the, uh, within the last, I think, well, it's been more than last week, but since I've been home, I've had more time to engage with my family. Um, which is one of the biggest things for me is that being able to engage with them, um, for my little ones and things like that. And, um, and then also everything slowing down for me to take the time to, um, develop and grow as an individual. I like that. Um, and especially with like showcasing like how important family is for you. Uh, I know that I saw one of your posts a while back, I think it was like you and your daughter or something like that. Um, and she was, uh, walking on like a, a tree, like a fallen tree or something. Yeah. 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 A big log. Yeah. 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 And it was just like sort of that guidance that, um, that assurance, that trust that was showcased there, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, we don't see enough of that on social media. Like, why, why is nobody showcasing that? Why do we have to do some perfect selfie and do the duck lips and show our butt? Why can't we show how to, <laughs> why can't we show how to like give kids independence and confidence and the ability that they have? Um, what is your most favorite thing about being a dad? Um, I think it's being able to, cause I mean, I believe in like, obviously they're going to have to make their own mistakes and they're going to have to go through their challenges, but it, it, I, I enjoy the moment of being able to, um, give them guidance, help them forge their own path without directly influencing them. And then just watching them grow, watching them like, it, it's kind of crazy where like they can take on so many of your, 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 your traits and things that you do, your habits, like, um, I'll see sometimes, like, they'll do certain things, like, um, where 
they've ne- I've never done it in front of them or, or, you know, taught that to them. And then they just do a lot of things that I would do. Or like respond how I respond, move like how I move. So I think that's kind of cool. So I'm, I'm really excited for the, 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 the journey of just watching them develop the scene, you know, what they become. So what's, what's the funnest thing that you've ever done? Like, like as a family or just something that stands out to you as like, wow, that was awesome. If you can think of one thing. Um, well, one of the biggest things that we do is we always have like a, like a, a dance off. Um, I'm a bit of a dance machine, you know, so, um, but, um, uh, yeah, well, like I play some music and then like, um, my little one, she always loved to dance and they love to dance and sing and stuff like that. And like, stuff that like, I like to do too. So, um, I think one of the most fun things that we like to do is do like, uh, we'll have our own little dance off or like, um, and we'll do it for like, uh, like, like an hour or two hours of um, just dancing and moving and you know, enjoying it. But when did your um, love for dance begin? Like, clearly, if you, you're you a dance machine, what's the origin story of that? I'm like an undercover dance machine. <laughs> but, like, uh, you know what? I just always, tell you the truth, it was just always, like, just moving. Tell you where, where um, even doing kind of like a dance and moving, uh, a lot of that came from... Um, so back in the day, I used to watch, uh, those old school, like, martial arts, like, kung fu movies, where, like, you know, they're, they're talking, but not really talking, and, and, you know, every time they jump, you hear, like, the whipping of their clothes and stuff, and, and one of my favorite, um, um, uh, martial arts movies to watch was, uh, The Drunken Master, where he would do kind of like, like, he'd do, like, different movements, and, like, how he's almost dancing, and then he's fighting at the same time, so, I'd always used to copy that, um, and try and like do that as well too. And then I just enjoyed music, um, so engaging music, dancing, moving. So I think that's just, yeah, it's just something that I, I guess I was born with and just enjoy doing. When I jump into a dance competition, hmm, I don't know, but, but I, I do really enjoy it. <laughs> so. In in my own experiences, like I remember, like you talked about sports and how it was kind of an escape, and I, I value sports for the same thing. And like, um, just being creative, like whether it's like making music or dancing or just like being a little bit different, like not going down like the the pre paved path. Um, did you find that uh, enjoying just being fun and silly kind of helped you in the same way that sports did? Hundred percent. Um, I felt, you know, obviously there's times you have joking and times to be serious, to be serious, but I felt that when I was able to start making light of situations and really, um, my, especially coming from uh, an area where, you know, there's always anger and stuff like that and frustration. But then when I started to learn to make light of the situations and, and find the, the funny in things, I felt like I was way more relaxed, um, you know, I, I didn't take on life's problems too, too seriously. Uh, and, and I mean, it, I think it transfers to sports too. Like, obviously, when I'm in competition, I'm in competition mode and, you know, I'm serious and getting the job done. But I, I, I learned to have fun. I, I find that that's something that a lot of people probably miss nowadays of just having fun. Like, even, you know, when times you don't want to smile, but, you know, just smile and, 
not, I'm not saying like, you know, you're walking around with your joker and smiling, permanent smile, 24 seven, but I mean, just in, in, enjoying life and just having fun with it. Well, I like that. And something that kind of stood out to me is like we were reflecting on the things, the moments you felt joy. And a lot of the people that I've talked to, they've been like, oh, yeah, I got to spend all this time with family. But now, like, life is going to change. Like, facilities are going to open up. Our schedule is going to get different. Um, are you the kind of person that uh, mandates a certain amount of family time to keep your sanity? Or or what? what's your schedule? Like, what happens for you? Um. Well... That's, I find that, and I've always said this, is that, you know, um, I understand everyone's out there and they're grinding and they're trying to do their thing. They're trying to get to a certain level and, you know, do great things. But um, the two things I always say is, like, you know, one, you always, like, despite how busy you are, you should always find time to take care of yourself. Because, I mean, your body, your mind that's helping you, um, trying to achieve these things and post through the day, right? And if you're not taking care of yourself, the one thing that the vehicle that's helping you achieve these things and get there, then um, you know, then you end up in a bad situation. So that's one thing. And then the other the other thing I'll say is um um that that I I take the time to how should I word this? Um in regards to family, yeah, so sorry, yeah, in regards to, to family, that, that I, that I need to have a time, not only for my family, but also too, um, it, it's, it's not fair to them that I'm busy all the time and can't engage to them, right? They do nothing well. So like, you know, I need, I need to make sure I have that time. And I mean, I'm a big family advocate. I enjoy uh, engaging with family, like, when we have, you know, Christmases or birthdays or certain holidays and stuff like I'm just like you know with all the family whether it's games or like I, I got a lot of nephews and nieces so like you know um, playing games with them wrestling or, or whatever so I'm a big family man or family oriented so um I feel like it's it's a part of me that if I didn't have I would be lost about it yeah well I mean I think everybody has like a certain structure of family whether it's like they're genetic family their friend family whatever it is maybe it's like people that they met through sports that are just it's a a tight uh crew but um i think sometimes we lose track of how important those people are like how they they help us to uh get through life's things like you gotta have people that you can talk to yeah exactly um and kind of on on that topic, I'm curious. When you're at the Olympics, you talked about how you're waving at the camera and stuff. Who do you think was the person that was cheering for you the loudest on the other side of the TV? Hard to think. I mean, because I mean, I have a pretty um, tight circle of family and friends that are really supportive of what I do and I mean I've been in different um competitions where I've heard them going crazy. So um I, I, I don't think I would pinpoint the one individual because um when I was at the games and, and even being on the television, I mean my phone was blowing up from people like, I saw you well wishes and everything. So I feel like those that know me and especially know my journey, they all were just as excited um seeing me. 
Well, I like that, and it kind of saves your butt from singling anybody out. Because I mean, if you include <laughs> everybody, that's like, ah, you. Everyone's just waiting, like they're just waiting in suspense. Um, when you talk about like being able to hear in the crowd, like I know I've played different sports, and I've been able to hear a family member or something. I'm like, man, was that ever funny when I heard that? Like, do you have any memories like that from like your your sporting life? Actually, in track and field, so um, in track and field, when I would compete, um, I, I, I would have these moments where I would get in the zone where, where it was like this tunnel vision. I couldn't see anything. Um, I mean, the stands can be full and people yelling and screaming, and I can't hear anything. And I remember... Um, uh, I was getting ready for a race and, you know, gun goes off and I'm you know, sprinting and I started to tighten up a bit and everyone's screaming and cheering and out of the entire crowd, my coach yelled, relax. And I picked up his voice out everyone yelling and screaming. I just remember I was like this and all of a sudden I just dropped my shoulders and then accelerated. And it was like, that was, that was crazy to me. Like how I was able just to pick his voice out. Um, like, in during that competition i mean and there's a lot of people like screaming so loud so uh that's the the one moment i think i i I remember the most well that's cool like how you could just single that out and how it actually worked like um there's lots of times when somebody yells something it's the right thing and it's hard to make that connection it's hard to single it out um can you think of other times when you've uh, experienced that tunnel vision when you're just so dialed in and focused um, well, it, I mean, it, tra- it went from track and field to even, even bobsledding. Like, bobsledding, it happened, especially at the start, it happened so quick. And, um, I wouldn't say I picked out someone, um, saying anything, but I, I, I've had moments where, like, you know, I'm locked in, and then we're pushing, we're pushing, and as you're getting in, it's like everyone's getting in fast. Like, you're in, and down and not moving around so that you know you have great speed, great velocity, and you're not disturbing the sled, right? And I remember um, I had I've had a lot of these moments where just about just before the the, the like the pilot gets in, just as the second guy is getting in, everything just slows right down, and I could see every single thing that was happening from if its spike got caught on the the cowling, like part of the sled, or if, you know. Um, probably slid in, uh, but they're stepping down, like, I could see everything, and it was like, it, it would slow down for that moment, that brief moment as they're getting in, and then, as I'm about to sit down, it speeds right back up. And then I've had moments where, like, I just went hard, we had a good push, and then, but I don't remember what happened. I just remember pulling the brakes on the bottom. Holy crap. And I didn't pass out either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it happens fast. Like, I look at that sport and I'm like, oh my goodness. I have a hard enough time, like, uh, riding a go-kart, never mind a bobsleigh. (laughs) Um, So how did that start for you? Was bobsleigh something that was always on your radar or was it just that you were recruited for it? Yeah, it was um, the first time anyone ever talked to me about bobsleighing. I think it was back in 2005 or six. Um, an athlete came up to me and was like, you know, you should try and do bobsledding. I'm like, you know, winter sport. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm good. Like, I'm a fitness athlete. And I shut it down. 
And, you know, I was preparing and trying to get ready for, um, the Olympic Games 2008. So leading up to that, uh, great, uh, having some great seasons 2007. Uh, I went to World University Games and won a bronze medal in the 100 meters. Then I went to World Championships and, uh, ran, uh, four by one in Canada, uh, in Japan. And then, um, leading into the Olympic year, you know, I'm like, you know, this is my, my, my chance to make the games and, you know, put a lot of pressure on myself. And, and, uh, as I was preparing, um, I, you know, I got hurt, uh, the hamstring injury and then I was still pushing myself, pushing myself. And all of a sudden I got, um, like, like my hamstring recovered, but then I think I caused more damage, um, like physiologically and, and, and psychologically, psychologically, like where I just burnt myself out. And, and, um, so I was doing races, um, competing and I was getting slower, weaker, couldn't figure out what was going on. All of a sudden, um, um, I went to a specialist. I don't know if I had adrenal burnout. Uh, just, it was just accumulation of physical and mental stress. Try to get better for the games, uh, or for the Olympic trials. Got there, going to the rounds, next round. You know, felt, I felt like I wasn't too bad, but I knew I wasn't 100%. And then, you know, time popped up. I missed out by two hundredths of a second, which was pretty devastating. And um then uh it was kinda like, you know, what am I gonna do? And it took some moment to kinda grieve with it. And I was like back to the drawing board. Then I got introduced to bobsledding. Uh was recruited out to come to a camp. Went to this camp and tested and uh, at the time it was the fastest that any group had pushed. Then um, you know, trained in the summer. Made the team, uh, like October of 2009 and then went to the games, uh, that February. Damn, that's fast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Going, going into a sport like that, was there any fear of like the risks or the, the contract? Like the actual aspect of bobsleigh is like nuts. You, you were, uh, were you scared at all? You know, tell you the truth, I wasn't. Here, one is because I was like, you know what, if I'm gonna do this thing, I have to fully embrace it. I can't go with any type of fear because as soon as I have any fear, which leads to doubt, which is gonna affect my performance and my ability to fully buy in and give in to sport. And so I, I, I wouldn't say I was, I was, uh, fearful. Um, it also helped that at the time, like all my pilots have been like the best, like, you know, one of the best pilots in the world. So I was fortunate that I was with, uh, good pilot. I think I only had one moment where I was a little bit nervous where um, it was my first year out uh, or, you know, and you're out in Whistler and we're doing training runs and I'm with the, my pilot um, who was uh, a pilot, uh, Pierre Lubin and uh, all of a sudden uh, there's another athlete or, um, I had a day off and there's another pilot that kept crashing and he was crashing uh, this other boyfriend so um the high performance director at the time came up to me he's like, you know, Neville, um, you know, this, you know, there's, there's other guys that are crashing quite a bit, a bit. You think we can give them a break and you jump in with, uh, this other pilot? And right away I was like, like, I got so nervous. Cause like, you mean the guy that was crashing all the time? Like, yeah, I'm like, and, um, I'll tell the story like where like, so this happened and I mean, I'm nervous now cause I'm like, this guy keeps crashing. I've never crashed before, and I've seen a few guys already that crash and being like they're in great shape. And I remember sitting in front of this guy, and he's just, you know, kind of like 
trying trying to shake it off and trying to see if he's I think getting himself right. And I was just like, Hey Neville, you can't allow this to happen. You gotta stop this one. So I remember I was like I walked up and I was like, Hey, how you feeling? He's like, oh, I'm okay. I'm like, listen, you don't need to be here today, okay? I was like, there's plenty of fight to fight another day. There's nothing wrong with you taking a break, stopping for the day, reflecting, and coming back to the stronger. There's no shame in that. And he's like, yeah, yeah. you know what, Neville, you got a point. I, you know what, I think I'm going to shut it down. I just remember, I was like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't believe that worked. But, um, but, but yeah, it was like, that, I think that was my most fearful moment. Even when I crashed, I, I, I wasn't even nervous at all. Either. Well, I think that's a funny way to look at it. Just like you kind of used your deductive reasoning. You're like, oh, based on your crash history, maybe take it easy. <laughs> nervous systems burnt out. You don't take a break, man. Take a break. Oh, yeah. So in your pursuits of athletic excellence that's what like that's the best way that i can call it because it's like it doesn't seem to matter which sport you went into you had the mindset to take it head on and you were the best version of yourself like did you ever have a day that wasn't your best day did you have a day when it was just like shit wasn't working or you had something that was just in your way can you think of any memories I've had tons of those, like, uh, tons of moments where, where, um, just, I wasn't there. There was like, say there was like, you know, life things going on or, or having like some physical injuries that was holding back, uh, and where I was just like, man, like, I know like my knees used to be like really, really, uh, started to become really problematic where it was hard to like, for example, sprint. And, um, there's, there's one point where I was kind of like, man, I should keep doing this because like how bad they were. And, um, I ended up taking two years off from the sport just to rehab them, my knees, um, to get them healthy because I hadn't taken a break. So I, I was going, I've been competing now from 2000 and 2003, 2004. I hadn't taken a break up until 2000 and after the 2014 season. So I've been going, what was that, uh, 14, no, 13 years? 14 years. No, what am I saying? 11, 11 years. 11 years. And, um, I just hadn't taken a break. And I remember when I took that, that, that break and I was like, it was nice actually to not have to worry about thinking about and, and training for sport, but more I was just doing rehabbing. And when I came back, I, after, when I came back, it was like, I was, I was at like an all time best. It was like, I was, I was feeling so healthy. Uh, I, I was, I was rolling, like, it was probably my two seasons that I competed after the 2014 season, the two years, my last two years, was probably my best, um, season. Or I guess the, that, I did three, three extra seasons, but the two before that was probably my best seasons ever. So it was like I was able to, you know, take a break, reflect, get healthy and go again. But I think that was probably, uh, that was one of the, the moments where I felt kind of like really low and, and like, well, I was like, man, things aren't going to Like, I mean, I've had quite a few of those moments, but then the other thing is too, is that I always have to look back and say, you know, what's your goal? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you want to do? And when I look back at that and, and understand that, you know what, um, it's not going to, like, life isn't easy, especially when you're trying to be successful and do great things, um, you're, you're always going to be challenged. But it's, it's 
finding strength from those those challenges and, and, and embrace I always say like you know embrace your 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 challenges or your your, your pain, your imperfections because they become valuable life lessons and they will actually help you develop and grow and become more resilient and to overcome like you know the different challenges you may face. Absolutely. And I mean I think it's important to put value on rest because like whether it yeah. be resting for like three minutes instead of one minute 50 in like in your workout in the gym or resting a year from a career just to like keep yourself at the top of your game like resting in all facets of life isn't a shameful thing like sometimes it brings out our our very best potential which i think is cool it's just sometimes we forget it's that hustle bustle life it's that uh if you stop your you're uh not living up to your potential or something but when it comes down to it there's so much more on the other side if you know how to reach it, if you know that you need your time with your family or if you know that you need recovery or if you know your limits, then you can assess those things and like keep it moving forward. Well, even, even with training, like um, I know like a lot of athletes are always worried about, you know, if I take a day off, you know, they, they feel like they're going to fall off the face of the earth or, you know, they're going to fall behind, but there's nothing wrong with rest. And, Think about this too, is when you, especially if you're a trained athlete, you've been trained for a long time, that you taking a day or taking a week, is not going to set you all the way back. Like, especially when you have things, you're, you're getting injured or, or your nervous system is getting taxed. Like, that's your body telling you, like, listen, take a break. Like, I, when I took two years off and I was still, I was rehabbing, but I was doing tons of drills and I was doing like a lot of coaching, like speed coaching, so I was always doing demos and things like that. And I remember the year before I came back, I was like, man, I haven't sprinted like really hard for a while. Like I was doing tons of drills and stuff. I was like, let me, and I was doing some testing for some athletes I had. So I was like, the lights just set up. I'm like, hmm, let me see what happens. So I did like a little warm up and I went and I sprinted for the lights and I think I was only, I was only six to seven hundred off my, my personal bar. So I mean, once the bar, and, and I mean, I was warming up and I was moving and like, the body remembers, you know, your muscle memory. And like I said, like, um, having, taking the time to actually rest and recover can actually do you a lot more good than pushing yourself. And I'm, I'm talking from personal experience with me going out and not making it to the game. But, um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize the value of, of rest. For sure. When I was looking at your profile, I saw that you're doing some uh, video production. You got a project going on. Tell yeah. me, tell me more about that. So I'm um, uh, I'm doing a show. It's like a, uh, it's a story hive series that we're going uh, to do, which is called uh, the Right Way Show. So pretty much, it's um, it's kind of like where like you know I I'm retired now as an athlete, but you know I still have uh, passion for sports, and I want to you know um, engage with other champions of their sport and other athletes. You know, to talk them, do like a, uh, a deep dive of, of their journey, like, uh, their ups, their downs, and things like that. So, cause I find like, you know, we always see the athletes and we see them competing, but a lot of times you don't really know, um, like people don't always really know what we, we go through and what we have to deal with in order to become successful. Like, you know, like things like the therapy, you know, um, I've had friends where they thought when I was getting therapy, it was like, oh yeah, it's all relaxing. Like, no man, there's nothing relaxing about this. Like, this is grind and, and, and pain and stuff, and or even just traveling and competing and and thinking, well, you're on vacation. Like, no, I'm I'm at work. So, 
this show was me following um, other athletes, learning about them, learning about their sport, and then at the end, I would do like a challenge to um, a, a challenge that they would have that whether it be you know basketball, three point shooting, or, or wrestling, or or you know, hockey, or, or whatever it may be, and I tried out. But um, due to COVID, we had to kind of change the format where it was more like a interview type style. But um, it still turned out well with where I was able to still engage them. But the only part was that I didn't get to learn the activity with them, or learn their sport, and, and do the sport um, as well, or do something that challenges me. Yeah. Well, I mean, even with that slight pivot, you still get the value from it. Like, I mean, it's very similar to, to having a podcast. You get to learn from people's experiences and yeah. there's there's a challenge at the end of this show too. So you'll get to see that in a few minutes. But um, right. uh, what I want to know is like, what has that experience taught you about yourself so far? Like when you're learning about other people, it kind of teaches you about you. So what, what's your take on that? Um, I think what I learned from that is how similar we all we well, as athletes, but well, not only as athletes, but outside of sport, but how similar we are in a lot of aspects where our mindset, our approach, um, you know, um, obstacles and challenges are. So it was, it was nice to, to kind of connect with them and learn that. Um, I always believe that, especially with every experience, every connection that I have someone, uh, I have with someone, I always want it to be uh, a learning opportunity. And, um, a learning opportunity for me to develop and grow as an individual and, and, and learn, like, you know, you can learn some of like different techniques, strategies. And I find that when I speak, especially when I do speaking, public speaking, I will, if I'm talking about an experience, I always try to tie it into um, other people's experience because a lot of times people want to look, are looking for um, an authentic connection to be like, no, like they went through the same stuff, like you might be in different field of, of, of play or work, but they went through the same, they're going through the same type of thing I, I, I'm going to. Well, that's awesome in that you say that because I think the first time that I came across your account was because I saw that you were doing public speaking and I was like, this guy's cool. I like him because I like the art of like public speaking and making that connection. You talk about the value of connection. Um, and what that does for people and seeing like a uh, person, one career versus person in the other career. And they have those connecting pieces um, in your public speaking. Do you have like a moment that stood out to you or like a favorite uh, event that you've spoken at or just someone in the crowd that just kind of, you can't get out of your head? Um, I mean, I've had some really great ones. I mean, if you look at, it's like this. I speak to all sorts of demographics and, and populations, whether it be uh, young students, athletes um, in the corporate world. Uh, one of the, I think I've had two situations that stuck out to me. One was with, um, when I was t- talking to um, some students. And um, I I was a kid that, you know, like I said, I had my challenges. Like uh, one thing I had, I had a speaking coach, so it was hard for me to really articulate myself. So I didn't speak as much or um, it was hard for me to pronounce certain words. So I'd always have to really think of what I'm saying to to, use, to have the right words so I can actually um, uh, pronounce it. And um, I, I, I ended up 
like I have this passion for for to help youth because I'm like, man, there's so much untapped potential and there's so many um kids like me that grew up like me that are struggling or they just need some positive reinforcement or guidance. And I remember I, I spoke at this one school and um I usually leave um a little bit of time for questions. And um, you know, uh, one student was asking me, they're asking me like about bullying and things like that, and I was telling things that I went through and how I overcame it. And you know, this is like, you know, uh, by embracing my pains and my sense of struggle, like I said, it made me more resilient, more um, focused, more determined to not become a statistic and not become present in my environment or just to give up. And uh, at the end, uh, the people, uh, one of the teachers came up to me kind of, you know, tearing up. And she's like, yeah, one of the students who's struggling a lot uh, came up to them and said um, how I helped change their life because, you know, they got inspired to, you know, not give up and keep pushing, pushing through. And I mean, I'm like, I look at it like, you know, and I've talked to like thousands and thousands of kids. And if I go into a room and, you know, say there's a hundred, five hundred, a thousand uh, individuals and I'm able to connect with one individual specifically that I can help create a change or to change the perspective, then I've done my I've done my job. So I mean, um, that that was one of the a big uh, one of the moments that stuck out for me with like a younger crowd. And then as for older, one um, individual came up to me as well too, and they said, you know, um, you know, they they liked my my, my talk, and they said, you know. They could tell it was really authentic. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. They're like, they've been to, been to a lot of conferences and spoken to, um, heard a lot of people speak. And they said it was the first time that they saw someone's eyes the entire time. Like, saw my eyes the entire time. And they're like, I knew you were being authentic and speaking from the heart, which is always the goal, right? It's to tell my, like, when I speak, I don't read off on a paper or anything. Like, sometimes based on the, the topic, I might have some notes. But usually I just speak from my experience and speak from the heart. Sometimes I might have a thought on one topic and then I'll also like kind of veer on another kind of different thought. But um, those are like, I guess, one of the two moments that really stuck out to me. Well, that's a cooler reflection. I mean, like most times it is just one person that makes the whole difference. Like you'll do your speech and you'll be in front of a bunch of people and it's like, you remember the one kid that said something, even though there might have been like five, or you remember yeah. the one professional out there that was like, whoa, that really like hit a note with me. How did your speaking uh, career or like endeavor begin? Like, how did you get into speaking in the first place? Um. Well, I remember the first, like, I was really, like, when I was a young kid, like, in, um, uh, when I'd be like in church, maybe I was to like, Speak on something or whatever. I'm just being nervous all the time, and I'm like, "Man, I don't want to do this." And and then, um, so I started to build up um, courage from there. And then, um, I, I I got invited out to a few events where, like, I was teaching sprinting, or you know, and they give a little talk. And then I found that um, also too. I found that I, I started getting to like a mentorship role. I was just talking to a lot of people like about life and just different things and then I felt and that, that passion I felt to develop that passion so like I said like um, I heard a saying where the richest place in the world is a graveyard because a lot of ideas and potential 
and you know um new ways of thinking or new ways of life have been lost where people weren't able to get that out there and i i know for myself where like you know i saw how i struggled and i didn't always have the greatest guidance to help me achieve my potential because i mean you know it's not a matter of you know well if i had this i would have had this like i don't think that way but it's kind of like you know there's other things i probably could have tapped into or done had i had the right influence or the right people in my life to, to guide me. So my passion, that's when my passion uh, came because I, I would see, I would encounter individuals that they have so much potential and it's kind of like, man, you got so much potential and you're wasting. You need to tap into it. Like you, like don't become, um, a, a victim to a circumstance. You, you can rise above this and you do great things. And that's all, like, you know, a lot of people just need that reassurance, that positive reinforcement. So, um, that's where that passion, I guess, for speaking came from because I, I thought about for myself what else I could have done, maybe, or, 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 or how many people's potential has never been tapped into because they hadn't had the right person come to them with that positive reinforcement. So they let them know that, like, they're going to be okay or, or they can be greater than what they think. Well, that's kind of a cool reflection to make because it ties right into your experience with that coach that kind of like was the game changer for you. Like he saw that potential in you and like it would be be crazy to deny that like it didn't influence you to see potential in other people because of how your life changed or just like the skills that you realized that you really, really had despite like a person can be really positive and then there's like that extra 10% that other people see in us. And so to be surrounded by people that see that 10% makes a big difference. Do you have any like uh, training partners or like athletic buddies that have kind of uh, been like a, a stronghold or a pillar in, in your life? I'll be honest. So when I was in track and field, um, I had my training partner, Ryan Barnett. So we trained with each other. Like, you know, there's a like, um, I was a more mature athlete at the time. So I was like, you know, far by far, um, like excelling further than him. But I remember, um, when he, he told me he wanted to do track and I was like, you know, yeah, I was like, yeah, man, like this guy has potential. And, um, he was kind of like a little bit of a, a rough background as well. So I brought him up with me and he started doing workouts with me. And then, like, you know, finally the following year I introduced him to my coach and then he became my training partner. And there's a period where now, you know, he's catching up to me and then starting to excel past me, but, um, we helped keep each other honest. Cause even though he was starting to, to, starting to get faster than I was, he knew he couldn't sleep on me. Well, well, if he's, if he's slacking, that, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat him. So I think it, it, it kept us both motivated because I had someone else to continue to chase after because after, uh, we kind of parted ways where he used to do track and I switched to bobsledding. I did a lot of training by myself. Like, um, I stayed in Edmonton and did all my dry line training, my sprinting, my lifting. Every so often I'd have a training partner that would be with me, but then they didn't stay or, you know, or they left. And so I, I did a lot on my own and then I would commute back and forth between Edmonton and Calgary. So like, for example, I'd get up early Monday morning, go down to Calgary, do a sprint workout, a lift workout, and then come back home. So, um, that, that's the only time I'd really have a training partner, but for the most part, I had to really develop a lot of intrinsic motivation and drive. 
which it wasn't hard because I knew what my goals were and what I was focused on. Um, uh, but yeah, to, to be able to do really well. And I can tell from like what we've discussed so far, like you've got goals on your mind quite often because it kind of helps you like stay dialed in no matter what life throws your way. What are your goals for like the next few years? Like, do you have goals on your mind today? I do. Like, I always have goals. But, um, so, and, and this is something I was talking about where I, like, I set goals that I focus on the process to, to get there. But I do have a goal. So, I've always worked on what I call, um, and this is, I, I've been working on this since I was not, my big three, which is speaking, coaching, and therapy. So, um, I still have goals of what I want to do in that, that realm. Um, but once again, it, it is a process and, it's not always the easiest thing to, um, for it to happen. Well, I mean, your career or successful career doesn't always happen overnight. So I know it's a, a pro, especially because like I was so focused on my main goals where I was competing as an athlete. And now that I've transitioned into, um, into outside of sports. So now I have kind of, I have goals I've been working on and then I have new goals. So, um, I guess, uh, Short story long, long story short. Yes, I do have new goals um, that I'm working towards. Well, I think my favorite part about that summary was like the big three to like make it simple, like not branch out so much that your head gets just cluttered with all these things in your mind. And like I can tell you're passionate about those big three things. So it's like it totally makes sense to have those as your your items. Um, I have two more questions for you. And the second last one is, if you could give one piece of advice to someone on how to live their life to the fullest in the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? I would say embrace, like I, and I said it earlier too, but embrace your pains and your imperfections because it's those pains and those imperfections that help develop your character and can free, and if you allow it, and if you work at it, can make you um, a stronger, more resilient individual and will help you um, stay focused to in achieving whatever you want to achieve. I like that. The next thing is you're going to give my audience a challenge for the day. We talked about a challenge. And so what I'll get you to do is you're going to say your challenge for today is and then just lay it out for them. All right. Um, let me see. Okay. I guess the challenge for today, is that what you want? Is that you betcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your challenge for the day is to find something positive daily. Despite whatever you're going through, despite how difficult life can be, do your best to find the positive of a bad situation. That is the best challenge. So I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me.